Well, the TCU Horned Frogs are the first Big 12 team in the college football playoff era to win a game in the playoff and make the national championship. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com, of course, how you find us. Our guest, Jeremy Clark, second week in a row. Guy does a great job covering TCU. Find him at hornfrogblitz.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, uh, doing outstanding work. Nobody is covering this team and this run better than Jeremy Clark and the Horn Frog Blitz crew. Uh, Jeremy, let's just start off and go back to last Saturday, New Year's Eve. What a game. 51-45 to win over Michigan. What did you think, Jeremy, the key to that game was for TCU in pulling off the victory? I mean, I think it just started with the physicality. I mean, I don't think a lot of people gave TCU credit going into the game this past week about being physical and as tough as they were. And I think TCU players kind of had to listen to that a little bit. And obviously had a little bit of uh, bulletin board material from that. And some of the players saying some things about learning how to play big boy football or Big Ten football. And I think the big thing for them was playing physical. They dominated both sides of the line, offensive line, defensive line. They had four sacks from Dylan Horton. As a defense, they had 13 tackles for loss. That's against the number one offensive unit in the nation. I mean, they won the Joe Moore Award that's given to the nation's top offensive line two consecutive seasons. So, I mean, they're they're a, uh, a dominant team up front for Michigan, and TCU made them, made them look uh, like they didn't belong out, out there on the field. So I, I really feel like that physicality for TCU was the difference and just getting out uh, fast and, and early was the, was the biggest difference in this game. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm watching that game and obviously TCU jumps out to the early lead and then Michigan comes back in the second half with some big blows. Uh, when you think about the running back position, DeMarcado filling in for, uh, in, in place of the injured Kendra Miller, when you think about the job that he did, when everyone was very worried that Miller was going to be out and things were going to turn quickly for TCU, that shouldn't be understated. I know you don't understate it, but how big was that as well for this offense and keeping up in that second half? I think it was huge, obviously, because you lose a guy like Kendra Miller, and you're starting to question, man, how good is this run game going to be? But that's kind of been the sense with Amari all year long. He's been a guy that has been able to come into games and get big plays. When you talk about the explosive plays TCU has had this year, he's part of that equation. I mean, he's had some big, long runs, and obviously he's been around the program forever. I think this is his sixth year of college football, fifth year to be at TCU. But we're really proud. I mean, I think everyone in the media and obviously the fan base was really proud to see Amari have the performance he did. But I think, again, you got to give credit to that offensive line, Pete. I mean, they just really dominated, opened some running lanes, and uh, you got you got a sense of uh, – Garrett Riley just sticking with the run game despite not having arguably one of the top running backs in the nation to hand the ball off to, and you got to give him credit as well, sticking with that run game. Absolutely. So now let's look ahead, uh, Jeremy, and look at this week. First off, Sonny Dykes. How is Sonny Dykes handling all this? Just the moment that he finds himself in. Nobody could have predicted this in year one. How is he doing on that front, just from the media, the pressure, and everything? I mean, I think Sonny Docks is quickly becoming one of the most favorite coaches out there. I mean, you, you talk about a guy that isn't afraid to answer any question. I was talking to some of the Georgia guys earlier this week, and they were on the teleconference, and someone asked him about Kendra Miller, and he comes out and says, hey, he's questionable. And they said that was a breath of fresh air because most coaches will leave you guessing. And he's he's extremely honest with the way he approaches things. He's He's got a great personality. I mean, the people just love to talk with him, and 
it's just we were talking the other day, me and some other guys, it's just pretty remarkable that not only is he here in the first year, but he assembled a staff. You would think a staff that had been together has a tough time getting to the national championship, but this staff is pieced together. Yeah, sure, he has a couple guys coming over from SMU, but he's got Anthony Jones from Memphis. He's got Joe Gillespie, a new defensive coordinator from Tulsa, and other guys that haven't worked together, Malcolm Kelly, Paul Gonzalez, and Doug Meacham were part of the OTC staff. So all these guys are working together for the first time, and they've helped lead this uh, program to a national championship game. And that speaks volumes. I, I think when you look at it that way, it just speaks to the character of Sonny Dykes finding the right guys that fit his uh, program, not only as players, but as coaches too. And I think uh, TCU has really hit a home run. Jeremiah Donati, he took a lot of heat when you when you go to a guy like Gary Patterson and you know, you, you're arguably telling the – most uh, historic and, and successful coach in TCU history to resign, and you're gonna you're gonna have all eyes on you. And man, what a home run! Actually, a grand slam. Jeremiah Donati has hit just with uh, getting Sonny Dykes in there, and and uh, the success he has had this year obviously uh, makes it look even better. How you know? Let's go back to that a year ago. You, you bring that up, and uh, you know we all know, of course, Gary resigning. I think it was what Halloween night. Uh, we all find out that goes public. I saw a story, I remember this from a couple of months ago, Sonny Dykes actually crediting Gary Patterson with with basically indirectly selling him on TCU over Texas Tech. He kind of made it sound like he could have had either job, and he picked TCU. Was TCU motivated by making sure Sonny was going to be their guy versus him going to Texas Tech, or was it something else? Like, looking back on that a year ago, how did that all go down? I mean, if you look at the timing of the whole thing, it, it seems kind of suspicious. You, you, you know, I've heard from several different people that Sonny was Texas Tech's top guy and never had it confirmed, but it, it, it seemed to look at it the, the same way as, you know, every coaching search. It, it comes down to who's the best available, and uh, I really feel like talking with people that know Sonny and, and have been around him a long time, TCU was always a place that he looked at to be a program that could be on top of the mountain, especially in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the conference. He really felt like TCU could be that place. They've got great facilities. They've got great support um, from everyone around TCU. They sit in a talent-rich recruiting area in the DFW area, arguably one of the top recruiting areas in the nation. So he, he had a lot of things to, to look at when it came to TCU. But I think the biggest difference with, with everything is that year that he spent over at TCU in 2017 just – as an analyst, just being around the program and seeing uh, the way people buy in and, and things around their facilities and, and the way things can get big around there. I think he started to dream a little bit then about what it'd be like to be a head coach at TCU. And I'm a, I know a, a lot of people at Tech will say, well, Joey McGuire was the number one candidate all along. I, I truly don't know that, but I do know Sonny Dykes' name was part of that equation. And what I do know for TCU, I know Sonny Dykes was – Definitely uh, the front runner the whole time, and uh, luckily uh, TCU was able to get him. That's great. How about um, the players this week? I mean, I, I got to imagine, you know, I mean, this whole idea of, well, the Big Ten, the SEC, the scary powerhouse teams. I mean, that, the TCU's got nothing to be afraid of after what they did last week to Michigan. Uh, but Georgia, I mean, Georgia's a – I couldn't believe Georgia's a 13-point favorite in this game. Talk about disrespect for TCU, my goodness. How are the players handling this idea of taking on the defending champs, undefeated, everything else? Well, I don't, I don't think they look at it as the defending champs. I think they look at it just as another game. And it sounds crazy to say that because it's the national championship, but that's the mentality that 
they've used all year long, and I think that's the the thing that helped them beat Michigan. Now, I will say this: I don't think Georgia's going to look past TCU like Michigan did. I don't think they're going to downplay them. Obviously, they know TCU showed the rest of college football how physical they can be, how athletic they are on defense and offense, the playmakers they have on both sides of the ball. But I don't think they get scared by by rosters. I, I truly don't. You know, you look at when they played Texas earlier this year, they're loaded with five and four stars on that roster, and TCU had one of their better games of the season down in Austin. So I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to uh, be a game that's played on paper, so to speak. Everyone wants to see these games, and everyone's predicting these games off what we see on paper. But I don't see how anyone can sit there and watch TCU all season long and all of a sudden feel like, man, they're going to be a 13-point or two-touchdown underdog against the defending champs. Watching the way they really – I mean, that, that score – against Michigan was kind of misleading, in my opinion. I think TCU could have uh, even won by even more. Uh, I feel like they didn't play a perfect game. Everyone's talking about TCU played this perfect game. They had three turnovers. Yeah, they had two pick sixes, but they also had three turnovers in their own territory. Two of those were deep inside their own territory that led to Michigan scores. So I, I really feel like if they go out and just play their game and, and use that same mentality they've used all year long, I don't really think they're going to look at Georgia any, any different from any other uh, opponent they've had all season. What challenges do does Georgia bring to the table that are different from what Michigan uh, brought to the table against TCU? I think if you look at just the roster itself, I mean, they're big, they're fast, they're going to have more team speed than Michigan. Um, I was I was kind of surprised by the lack of speed Michigan had on defense. Obviously, Georgia's going to have a lot more speed. They've got great corners. Healy Ringo is going to be a guy who I feel like is going to match up with Quentin Johnson wherever he goes. He's going to go. He's a big tall corner. Uh, they've got speed at linebacker. Obviously, everyone was Jalen Carter. I mean, everyone knows the highlight where he literally picked up the running back and stopped him on a third or fourth down play. I mean, they're they're big and physical, and you know, offensively they've got what I believe is a mirror image of Max Duggan at quarterback with Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett is a guy that he's not the biggest and he's not the fastest, but somehow or another he just gets things done. He's He's got a, a, a pretty decent arm. He makes great decisions. He knows how to uh, run the football when he needs to. And the biggest thing for him, he's just a competitor. He doesn't want to lose. He's just like Max in that regard. They want to wheel their teams to victories, and he's one of the best out there doing it. So that's going to be a challenge for TCU's defense. They're really going to see – uh, in my opinion, what I think is the best quarterback they've seen all long, all year long with the decision-making he has and just the big play ability he has and, and really that supporting cast. They've got three running backs that can get the job done. McIntosh is a great runner. He's a great uh, receiver out of the backfield. Blake Bowers is arguably the top tight end in the nation. He's going to be a challenge for TCU safeties. and uh, They've just got weapons all over the place, man. So it, it is definitely going to be a challenge. It's going to be more of a challenge, obviously, than what they saw against Michigan. But, again, like I've said uh, all year long, I really feel like them playing in the Big 12 and seeing teams that are similar to, to what they've seen in the Big 12 helps them. I feel like they've been battle-tested. I don't feel for one second Georgia's going to go in there and run them out of the stadium. I feel like TCU's going to play them close. And, as I said earlier, if they can get out early like they did against Michigan, this could be anyone's ball game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, what – I mean, when you think about what TCU needs to do a better job of – uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier with the turnovers on their end, but is there something else where you say, okay, if they don't improve on fill in the blank, um, you know, they're not going to win this game on Monday? Well, I think it starts on defense because, I mean, they did win the game against Michigan, but they also allowed 45 points. So 
you've got you've got to eliminate the big plays. Now you're not going to completely eliminate the big plays. Darnell Washington, Blake Bowers, those are two of the better tight ends in the nation. They're going to make plays. Those running backs are going to make plays. But you got that you got to limit those big plays. You can't let receivers uh, be running wide open down the field for a 45 yard gain, and they they let that happen too many times against Michigan. Now with Stetson Bennett, you've got to kind of I don't know if they're necessarily going to put a spy on him in that sense because they really didn't against McCarthy, even though he ran really well. But you got to limit his big plays with his feet. You got to make Georgia get into third and long situations and uh, you know play as successful as they did against Michigan on those third down conversions because they played extremely well against the Wolverines, and I think that's what helped them in, in the big picture getting that win. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of things. I, like I said earlier, there's there's no way TCU played a perfect game. Against Michigan, they've got to eliminate those mistakes. They've got to catch the football. I mean, you can't let balls bounce off your chest and let the other team intercept them. So you, you've got to make the best of your opportunities when they come your way. And TCU, in my opinion, they do have to play almost nearly a perfect game. I mean, this is the defending champs. They're a very good team. They're 14-0 and for a reason, and uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch. How about for the Big 12? I mean, the importance of this game with the Big 12 getting set to, of course, change here in the next 18 months or so, to have uh, one of the remaining teams uh, be the first team in the Big 12 after Oklahoma failed four times to win a college football playoff game. How big is this for the conference at large as it moves forward, and how much pride is Sonny Dykes and TCU taking in that? I think it's huge. I mean, if you look at them losing Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, you, you still have a team that, they could go out and say, hey, we could still send a team to the national championship. I think it's huge for, for the conference in general. If, if you look at the last two seasons uh, for the conference championships, neither Texas or Oklahoma have been in those games. So I, I think the Big 12 is moving in the right direction. Obviously, they're going to add some good teams. But TCU kind of carrying that torch is really cool. I mean, they're they're the first team, as you mentioned earlier, from the Big 12 to, to play in the national championship in the college football era. Uh, playoff era and they're the first team from from texas to do the same thing so it, it's it's kind of crazy in that regard when you think about it, it i'm still in disbelief i still wake up some mornings thinking man tc's going to be playing in a national championship and i know uh sunny docks and those guys are extremely happy for it but they still have one more game to go they don't they they're not going to rest on their laurels and be happy that they have some house money now and playing in a national championship they want to go out there and win that thing they want to make that torch even bigger and uh just make the Big 12 look as good as it can, I guess you could say. Last thing, Jeremy, I, you know, we asked you last week about this, about any prediction. You were you were understandably, you know, pointing out how you think and why that you think they can win. What are you thinking right now about Monday night, this championship game? Do you want to go prediction route, or are we going to play it, uh, play it a little safer? What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, did I throw out a score last week? I no. can't remember. I know I predicted TCU to win, and that's I, I get guys getting mad at me because I don't throw out scores, but I'll just give reasons why I feel like TCU can win. I feel like TCU can win because they're physical on both sides of the ball. Yeah, Georgia's played at the SEC. They're battle-tested. They've seen teams like this. But I really feel like this team, just the, the culture of this team is a lot different than what Georgia has faced. This team has been uh, with their backs against the wall. They know what it's like to come back from you know, you know two touchdown deficits, just like Georgia did last week against Ohio State. I really feel like this is a team that's as close to them as you know as what they are. You're both sides of the ball. I really feel like both teams have good quarterbacks. Both teams have good receivers, running backs. They're 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 good on defense. They they have that bend don't break mentality on defense. But I really feel like 
TCU's playing with a lot of momentum right now. Just and, and I hate to use this word. I don't want to sound all philosophical or anything like that, but it really does feel like a team of destiny. It really does. This the way things have happened this year. You get a big stop last week against Michigan. The guy short of the end zone, and boom, the next play they fumble. I mean, that's that is just some some of the crazy things that we've seen out of TCU this year. And I don't want to call it luck or anything, but sometimes. It is. It is. It is just by chance that some of these things happen, and I really feel like TCU learned a lot from that Big Twelve. What we see this week against or last week against Michigan, we saw Max Duggan get under center and get pushed from behind uh, for those short yardage gains. So they learned stuff from the from the Big Twelve loss, and I think that's going to help them uh, again this week against Georgia. I think TCU is going to pull it off. I think they're going to shock the world because people keep doubting them, Pete. That's all they. they that's all they live off of. People want to keep doubting them. That them being a 13-point underdog, no one has to say anything. That That is very disrespectful in, in, in the first place. People don't believe TCU could go out there and beat Georgia. So shout-out to the TCU fans, too. They're going to travel. They traveled like crazy out there to Phoenix. This is going to be a big game for them. I, I fully expect to see. I see a lot of Georgia people kind of saying, oh, T- Georgia's going to dominate the attendance 70 to 30. It's not going to be like that. TCU's going to go out there in droves. They're going to be fully supportive of TCU and I really feel like at the end of the game, they're going to be seeing Sonny Dykes hoist up that uh, national championship trophy. All right. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Jeremy Clark doing a great work there at Horn Frog Blitz. Check him out. Nobody is covering this team and this program better than him. A busy week for you, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us here on the show, my man, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Pete. Thanks as always, man. You do a great job. Appreciate you. Jeremy Clark, Horn Frog Blitz. Great to have him on the show. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly, of course, is our show covering the Big 12 Conference. And if you want a uh, koozie, well, you know what to do. Go to the podcast page, leave a rating, review, subscribe, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the show. We have more content that's going to be coming your way before the championship game. That is the plan, so make sure you are subscribed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Take care.